that. <sighs> Hello, everybody. It's Friday. Welcome to um, another edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Um, yeah, I'm your host, Logan Blackman, and I um, I guess we're here today because uh, we got to do a show. That's what we usually do every Monday, Wednesday, Friday from whatever time I feel like starting to whatever time I feel like ending. It's usually, it's a lot better to say that when you have a radio show because you can say like 11 to 1 or something like that or 12 to 2 or 1 to 3 because then that, that makes it feel better because, you know, you can do a show that way. Yeah, but make sure while we're on the topic, just go and um, follow the Logan Blackman Show accounts on Twitter, Instagram, uh, go like the Facebook page and, um, yeah, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Cause we got a video coming really soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, today is something, today's a day that I didn't think would come in a very, very long time. And we have to talk about it because I don't know. Let's just, I, there's not enough beating around the bush. Let's just get straight to it. Liverpool won the Premier League. Okay, um, a few things. There is no coincidence that the year the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl and Liverpool win the Premier League that the world goes to complete dog crap. There's no way that's a coincidence. There's a reason these two teams were made to suffer. It's because... They're insufferable teams. <laughs> oh, my God. Growing up a Manchester United fan, being the only team on TV, you saw Manchester United win week in, week out, winning leagues left, right, and center with the likes of Wayne Rooney, Cristiano Ronaldo, Dimitar Berbatov, Chicharito, Nemanja Vidic, Rio Ferdinand, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs, Gary Neville, Edwin van der Sar. Like you just saw players just dominate the game. With Liverpool nowhere in sight. They'd come second every once in a while, but usually they're around fourth, fifth, hell, maybe sixth. The way things used to be. The way things were when the world was at peace. And now that Liverpool have officially won the league. And what makes it worse, what makes this all worse, is the fact that Christian Pulisic, United States International, Captain America, scores for Chelsea against Man City, getting them the first goal, which gave Liverpool the chance to put one hand on the trophy. Pulisic is going to be one of Chelsea's best players for years to come. And that that makes that hurts inside, saying that one of my favorite players in the world, the captain of my national team, is going to be the best player, or one of the best players, for a team that I despise because... I've just never liked Chelsea. <laughs> I've hated Chelsea. Now, compared to the other teams in the Premier League, I think I hate them the least out of the other big teams. I would say my hatred goes from Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, then Chelsea. I think that's how my hatred goes. Because I don't... The, the top three, Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, I hate those teams. I loathe those teams. I hate Chelsea, but if I'm in FIFA... And I get stuck. If those were the last four teams existed, I would definitely choose Chelsea. No doubt in my mind. Because I loved Didier Drogba. I loved watching the Ivory Coast national team in the African Cup of Nations when I was younger as well. They had Gervinho, Salomon Kalou, uh, Bubakar Barry, 
Yaya Toure, Colo Toure. They were just a fun team to watch. So I loved watching the Ivory Coast national team. So I, I just loved Didier Drogba. But then the beautiful night in Moscow, Manchester United beat Chelsea in the Champions League final. One of the greatest games ever. John Terry slips. Before the Slippy G meme, there was a John Terry slip meme. Or there wasn't because I don't think there were memes at the time in 2008. But nonetheless, that was a great night. And as you can see, I'm talking about the greatness of Manchester United throughout my lifetime because I haven't had to talk about Liverpool being good in my entire life. They've been good three times, really, in my lifetime. The year Stevie G slipped, which they were going to win the league. <laughs> Liverpool had arguably a hand and a half on the Premier League trophy, but they let it slip away. Dembaba goes in, scores a goal for Chelsea, and then Liverpool continued to capitulate the season away and lose the league. Then you had last year where Liverpool finished one point behind Manchester City, which it's a lose-lose situation, but I would have much rather had Man City win the league title than Liverpool because they hadn't won a Premier League title in their history. 30 years since their last league title. Premier League didn't even exist the last time they won a league title. Man City... Had won a few titles, so I was like, okay, they can go on and win another one. That didn't do anything to me. Liverpool are now one title away. This is total league titles in England from passing Manchester United. Manchester United sit on 20. Liverpool now sit on 19. Manchester United have by far the most Premier League titles, though. So that, that record's not coming in to question anytime soon. Manchester United, 13 Premier League titles to their name. 20 total titles. Next closest, you have Chelsea with five. Man City have four. Arsenal have three. Blackburn won the second ever, or wait, the third ever Premier League. Second or third ever Premier League. And then Leicester. Leicester City, the most improbable champion of all time, Leicester City. Won the league title in 2016. And then now Liverpool. You have Leicester City and Blackburn. Blackburn's now stuck in the championship. They might even be in League One. I haven't checked in a while. They've been on the downhill. They've been they've been going downhill for a very, very long time. It's sad because I tried to be Blackburn in uh, FIFA, uh, what is it called? Uh, manager mode in FIFA 20. I love being Blackburn Rovers. So I want to see them go up to the Premier League again. They sit eighth in the championship right now. They were in League One a few years ago, if I remember correctly. So yeah, eighth place, they're two point or point off of the top six. And if you didn't know in the championship, the top two teams are guaranteed promotion in the Premier League. The three through six teams battle it out in the championship playoffs, and the winner of that playoffs goes on to the Premier League. So just because you come in third does not guarantee you a spot in the Premier League. You gotta show up in the playoffs. Blackburn, hopefully you guys can make it up because I would love to see that if it's back. Yeah, it's uh, right now Blackburn. They beat Bristol City three to one in their last game. It's a big result because Bristol City were on fifty-five points. And they've lost four of their last six games and drawn the other two. So that's what you like to see. That's what you like to see. So Blackburn come up to the Premier League, and then for Leicester, the year before they won the league, they were suction cupped to the bottom of the Premier League, and then Nigel Pearson, now the manager of Watford organized one of the greatest escapes in Premier League history, rivaling that of Sunderland's, which they did that multiple times in the late 2010s. But then the next year, 
they go on to win the league with a manager that got that a lot of people just wrote off pretty much. One of the greatest stories in Premier League history. Then he got, got the likes of Jamie Vardy, who currently lead the league in scoring this year with 19 goals. Riyad Mahrez commanding huge fees going on to Manchester City. According to WhoScored.com, the third best player in the Premier League based off their ratings with a 7.57. Then you got the likes of N'Golo Conte, one of the best holding midfielders in the world. Now at Chelsea. Now it also elevated the stocks like Danny Drinkwater. And look where he is now. I think he's still at Burnley. He might not be there anymore. He was on loan there from Chelsea. He's done absolutely nothing since winning the Premier League title with Leicester. (laughs) And Leicester have continued to dominate, or not really dominate, but be a top team in the Premier League. They currently sit third in the league. Now with Brandon Rodgers at the manager, and one of the most exciting teams in the Premier League with some of the most exciting players. We already mentioned Vardy. Then you got the likes of James Madison, Wilfred Ndidi, Yuri Tielemans, Iosi Perez, Ben Chilwell, Ricardo Pereira, Casper Schmeichel, Johnny Evans, Sionku, the center back, who's linked to all the big clubs in the world right now. I've heard him linked with the likes of Barcelona and also Manchester City and Liverpool's another team I've heard him mentioned with. Like Leicester, if you had told them in 2015 that not only would they win the league, but they'd be able to contend with the rest of the teams in the Premier League for a few years on, they would probably call you crazy. Probably called you even more crazy to say they even win the league. But they did. One of the greatest stories I've ever seen. There were 5,000 to 1 odds to win the Premier League at the beginning of the season. And they won the league. And there was a guy that had the <laughs> had a bet placed on them winning the league. He placed it at the start of the season. I think he pulled out like right before they were crowned champions. So he won a lot less money than he would have if he kept that bet on throughout the entire season. He got scared because Tottenham were right behind them. Chelsea were right behind them. No, it was just Tottenham. Tottenham was right behind them. Say it was Manchester City. I think that was a really bad year for Chelsea. I think that was when they finished 10th in the Premier League. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah, greatest story ever. Now, Liverpool have joined the likes of Blackburn and Leicester City. Two Goliaths of the English game. Now with their first ever Premier League title. And what's sad is the fact they won the league. And it's not, I guess the league season's not technically over yet. But Liverpool have amassed enough points And they have spread out the gap between themselves and Manchester City that they have won the league. So we won't know what it will be at the end of the year. But right now, 86 points to 63 in second for Manchester City. That's sad. That tells me a lot of things. This team is built to win for a while now. They won the Champions League last year. They won uh, the FIFA Club World Cup. They won the Premier League now. They have the best central defender in the world. They have arguably the best front three in the world. They have the best attacking fullbacks in the world. They have the best goalkeeper in the world. Hopefully these players go and leave, but then you have the situation of if you leave, are you really going to a situation that's better? I've heard Sadio Mane might be leaving. I've heard Adama Traore might join Liverpool from Wolves, which would be scary. Because Adama Traore, this season has turned himself into one of the best right wingers in the Premier League, which is insane. From where he came from at Aston Villa, if you told me from when he joined Aston Villa from Barcelona and then proceeded to go on to Middlesbrough, 
you would have told me that he would be one of the best midfielders or wingers in the Premier League, I would have called you crazy. But according to WhoScored.com, he is the second best overall player off player rating with a 7.6. That's insane. He's going to command a big fee. Now, I could see him definitely wanting to go back to Barcelona because that's where he's from. That's where he played from at the start of his career before transferring to Aston Villa. I remember there was a lot of hype around Adama Traore when he came over to Aston Villa. And not a lot materialized, not a lot materialized at Middlesbrough either. And then he came to Wol- comes to Wolves and just turns into this behemoth. Like, literally, he's a monster. And he's so fast and so technically gifted that it's just crazy to watch. I hope he doesn't join Liverpool. I would love him to join Manchester United if they don't get Jane Sancho. But if they don't get Jane Sancho, that only means Jane Sancho went to Liverpool, which I don't need that either. Jaden, you come to Manchester United, then we'll allow Dadama to go to Liverpool. Because if we get Jane Sancho, then everything's fine. A world-class right winger. And Manchester United, their last game against Sheffield United, winning 3-0. Anthony Martial getting his first ever career hat trick in the Premier League. First Premier League hat trick for Manchester United since Robin Van Persie in 2013. And they looked good. It was the best lineup Manchester United's had since Sir Alex Ferguson. This team was perfect. That team was perfect. Everything about that team was like, mwah, beautiful. Now insert likes of Jane Central and maybe Dean Henderson and maybe a likes of Wilford Nadidi or something like that. Or you want to keep uh, Nemanja Matic, who's been playing very, very good this year and played great against Sheffield United. That team looks great. They could challenge Liverpool. They have some decent depth right now, but you just need a few more players. That right wing needs to get sorted out. And then maybe, maybe... You want to get another center back to party Harry Maguire because Victor Lindelof is very suspect when it comes to battling in the air. There was a header he had later in the game down at the um down at the Shef- Sheffield United was ta- actually no it was early in the game. Sheffield United was attacking. He tried to head the ball, completely whiffed the ball. It went behind his head and over his back. It was not great. But Manchester United might not be that far off. And Pep Guardiola might be leaving Manchester City in the near future. Uh, Raheem Sterling might be leaving Manchester City, which would be beautiful. For him linked to Real Madrid. Which if an English player does move over to Spain, he would definitely be the guy to do it. Because you got the likes of uh, Mike Lowen did it. Mark Hughes did it. Gary Lineker did it. Uh, Gareth Bale, even though he's not English, went over, to the, went over to Real Madrid. I think Raheem Sterling could definitely do that. He's good enough to play for Real Madrid. And I've heard Sadio Mane also linked there too. Mbappe's been linked there. So it's just a race to see who could go over to Real Madrid first because they have a little bit of a gap at the right wing spot because you got the likes of Rodrigo, Vinicius, uh, Marco Marco Alonso, uh, Gareth Bale still there, Lucas Vasquez. They got a lot of players that play right wing, but no one's really nailed down a spot. If you get a likes of Raheem Sterling or Sadio Mane, I know he plays left wing for Liverpool, but at Southampton, he played on the right wing. Make him go back to the right wing. Mbappe can play on the right wing. Mbappe would be the the creme de la creme for those for Real Madrid, obviously. Because if, if Luka Modric leaves, I would fully expect Eden Hazard to take the number ten jersey, and then Mbappe would just inherit the number seven, and then that would be beautiful for Real Madrid. I remember speaking of Sadio Mane, and I guess Roberto Firmino as well. They were heavily linked to Manchester United. Those two players. Roberto Firmino more so because I remember when Roberto Firmino was leaving Hoffenheim, they 
it was announced that he was leaving. It was between Liverpool and Manchester United. People changed Roberto Firmino's Wikipedia page to read Manchester United number nine. I was like, oh, he's officially coming. And I would, every time, every summer, I always go through FIFA and transfer players over, edit their teams to make it look re- realistic for the next upcoming scene, make predictions for lineups and all that stuff. So I had him going to Manchester. I was like, oh, it's official now because Wikipedia said so. And then a few short days later, he ends up going to Liverpool. And he doesn't do great in his first few years at Liverpool. And then you get the likes of Mo Salah coming over from Roma. And then you got Sadio Mane coming from Southampton, who also Manchester United heavily linked with when he was playing as a right winger, was supposed to come to Manchester United, went over to Liverpool instead. And now he's one of the best wingers in the world. And Roberto Firmino, one of the best. uh, He's like a Carlos Tevez in a way. Where he's not necessarily, his game is not um, him, it's not set on goals. He doesn't need to score goals. He'll distribute, he'll open up passing lanes for the wingers in Mohamed Salah and Cristiano, not Cristiano, Sadio Mane. That was like Carlos Tevez with Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo. That's why I was bringing up Cristiano Ronaldo. Because Carlos Tevez wasn't really the goal scorer. He had these two world-class forwards in Wayne Rooney and Cristiano Ronaldo that are going to score the goals. Tevez seeded open up lades for him. And he did that perfectly. Same thing Roberto Firmino is doing for Liverpool. And it pains me to see him do it for Liverpool. <laughs> pains me. I hate that Liverpool won the league. I'm just happy that Watford beat them because <laughs> then they don't go undefeated. Right now, Liverpool stand at 28 wins, two draws, one loss. Their one loss coming to Watford. Ismail Assar is going to command a big fee in the coming years, you would expect, or at least make a jump to another team, if not command a big fee. Just go over to a new team. Sadio Mane did that. He didn't have the biggest fee on him, but he went over to Liverpool. He was awesome at Southampton. I, You watch Sadio Mane now. Watch him at Southampton. Southampton, that's a great players. Like, Liverpool's teams have Southampton players, it feels like. You got the likes of Sadio Mane, as we just mentioned. Adam Lallana, who doesn't really play as much anymore. Virgil van Dijk. Dejan Lovren, who's not Van Dyke's center back partner anymore. Like, they're players that they get these players from. They're not from, like, the biggest clubs in the world. Like, Roberto Firmino came from Hoffenheim. Uh, Mohamed Salah was cast at Chelsea and was at Roma. Sadio Mane was at um, Southampton, as we just said. Jordan Henderson came from Sunderland. Then he got Andy Robinson. Robertson came from Hull City. Virgil van Dijk came from Southampton. Dejan Lovren came from Southampton. Allison came from Roma. Um, Jeannie Wijnaldum came from a relegated Newcastle. So, like, these players didn't come from, like, Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern Munich or all these big-name teams. They came from some average teams and have just shown their class playing for Liverpool. And it's sad <laughs> that they've done that because I, it pains me to say that. They've shown their class at Liverpool. I remember when Mohamed Salah was at Chelsea, coming over for Basel. It was him, Victor Moses came over, I think, together. Neither one of them did great things in their first few seasons at Chelsea. So much so for Mohamed Salah, they just cast him off to Fiorentina. And then he had the likes of Kevin De Bruyne there, and they cast him off to the Bundesliga. And now, Chelsea sit there with arguably the two best players in the Premier League, Kevin De Bruyne and Mohamed Salah sitting for Liverpool. Or not sitting for Liverpool and Manchester City. Those players could both be at Chelsea. 
Chelsea won with the likes of Oscar. You don't think Kevin De Bruyne could do the stuff that Oscar does as he's sitting over there in China? <laughs> I'm happy that Chelsea sold them, but I'm also I'm mad because they went to my two least favorite teams. <laughs> they should have stayed the Bundesliga in Italy. <laughs> that was the goal, and it didn't happen. Well, they're 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 amazing players. They really are, and it pains me to say that because I hate the teams they play for, but they're they're so fun to watch. That's what ma- that's what pains me about Liverpool the most right now is that they're so fun to watch, but I never sit down and actually watch them because it's Liverpool, and I it cringes me to watch Liverpool play. I hate it, but it's like the Kansas City Chiefs. I hate the Kansas City Chiefs. But there's so much for that. Why do they have to have Patrick Mahomes? Why does Patrick Mahomes have to be on the Chiefs? He's such a likable person. He's so fun to watch. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are so fun to watch. But they're on the Chiefs. But when I watch them, my jaw drops every single time because I'm amazed at the stuff they can do. It's like Liverpool. Some of the stuff they do just makes my, like, how? How did that happen? Like, Trent Alexander-Arnold with the free kick he scored the other day. He's looking like, he looks like he has the free kick and take capabilities of David Beckham, which pains me to say that because David Beckham growing up was one of my favorite players. And that was when he was off Manchester United. He was on the LA Galaxy at the time. I have a David Beckham Manchester United jersey that I just bought, what was it, a few months ago or something like that. I used to have a David Beckham LA Galaxy jersey. But man... I hate the fact that Liverpool are winning the league. It sucks. Why does this have to happen? Who's allowing Liverpool to win the league? Now, hopefully, for my sake and Manchester United fans out there, this team gets the likes of Jaden Sancho and a few other players on the team. Like, if they want a Kalidou Koulibaly. If Kalidou Koulibaly follows his countryman, Sadio Mane, and goes to Liverpool, the partner of Virgil van Dijk, that defense will not allow any goals. They have the best goaltender in the world and the best two center backs, center back partnership in the world. I'm not saying Koulibaly is the second best center back in the world because he's not. He's easily top 10, maybe even top five, but that's insane. You have those two at center back and Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold, the wing backs. Like, why why are we even going to play games? Why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense. It hurts the soul. And Philippe Coutinho sitting over there at Bayern Munich after leaving Liverpool from Barcelona for Barcelona, Jurgen Klopp telling him, if you stay, you can become a club legend. But if you leave, you're just going to be another player. He left, and now he's gone on loan deals. He's sucked at Barcelona so far. He's been a flop at Barca. And now he's watching Liverpool just win the Champions League, win the, FIFA, the Club World Cup, win the Premier League. He's like, man, probably should have stayed. Probably should have stayed. Not probably, definitely should have stayed. <laughs> But yeah, Liverpool, they beat Crystal Palace 4-0 on Wednesday. And all they needed to do was either A, have Chelsea beat Manchester City, or if not, then they'd wait another week and then they'd win and then it'd be over after that. But Chelsea beat Manchester City 2-1. Crystal Pulisic, as we said, with a great goal for Chelsea. Carried it the entire length of the field, essentially. And yeah, got the start, got man of the match performance for Chelsea in this game. Willian got a goal in the game as well. Scored a penalty. Yeah. Just, uh... I mean, I love watching... I'm so conflicted with Pulisic because I love seeing him do good. 
because I love Christian Pulisic. I hate the fact that he plays for Chelsea, but I love the player. Man, he won the league for Liverpool, essentially. He got the first goal. Willian eventually won them the league, but Chelsea's done this before. They did this for Leicester City when they beat Tottenham. They Chelsea beat them, and that gave Leicester the title. Then Chelsea beats Manchester City, and it gives Liverpool the title. Weird. Weird. But yeah, I'm not going to say congratulations to Liverpool, because screw Liverpool. But first title in 30 years. I mean, about time, I guess you could say. But Manchester United have amassed enough uh, Premier League titles to very much take the lead in regards to total championships in England. 20 total. Liverpool sits second with 19. Manchester United won the four of the first five Premier League titles, seven out of the first ten, and are the greatest team in English soccer, English football, whatever you want to call it. Hopefully they'll be back soon. I trust Ole. I love the team that he's building, all the players he's getting rid of, all the players he's adding. It's a young team, which is great. I love Rashford. I love Bruno Fernandes. Love Pogba. Love Scott McTominay. Love Harry Maguire. Love Alexander. Or not, I do not love him. I love Erwan Basaka, the hyphenated names. You know, love Mason Greenwood. Love Martial. Just build it up a little more. We got a few more positions to get, and then Manchester United can be right back up there with the best teams in the Premier League. It's awesome. And now, now that Liverpool have won a Premier League. They are no longer one of the teams that has never won a Premier League. Now, this is also teams that never won an English title, but this is just teams that have never won a title in England. Bristol City, Oldham Athletic, Cardiff, Charlton Athletic, Blackpool, QPR, Watford, and Southampton. You know, Leicester City were right there as well, and they won the Premier League in 2016, and now they're no longer in that category. But man, Liverpool should still be in there. I, I just think the only thing I'm holding positive from this whole situation is the fact that Leicester City, who were almost relegated the season before, won a Premier League title before Liverpool did. That is what I'm holding the most to this. That is what I love the most about this, that Leicester City won a Premier League title before Liverpool. And hopefully Manchester United can get back on top because I need Manchester United and Liverpool to be a heated rivalry again. Because there was a few years where... Neither team was that good, and it wasn't that fun to watch. But now, Manchester United and Liverpool, we already know, are one of the great, best teams in Europe. Manchester United are slowly starting to get their way back. Hopefully, Pogba stays. Pog stay. And Manchester United can start challenging Liverpool again. That's what the world needs. <laughs> Man. So, for this Friday fun day, I thought it'd be fun, because we got it's Friday. Friday fun day, as we do every single Friday. I thought it'd be fun, since Chelsea won Liverpool the league. And Chelsea's manager is Frank Lampard, who is, for those of you who don't know, Frank Lampard is Chelsea's all-time record goal scorer. I think he's the record goal scorer for midfielders in the Premier League. And, yeah, midfielder is a club's record scorer. He's one of the greatest midfielders in Premier League history. So I thought it would be fun today to do a tier list of Premier League midfielders. We've done a lot of Premier League uh, tier lists recently. We've done... Striker, we've done this a lot of soccer tier list, really. And I'm I don't care. <laughs> this is my show, so I get to do 
Whatever I wanted it. But yes, I thought it'd be fun to do a midfielders tier list. So we got uh, five tiers. We got the GOAT tier and the ABCD. Then we got a lot of really very good midfielders in this list. So, yeah, let's get started with the GOAT. I think the greatest midfielder of all time in Premier League history. Now I'm very biased, but I think it's Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes could place a ball anywhere he wanted to. Paul Scholes and Roy Keane, arguably the greatest Premier League midfield partnership ever. And Paul Scholes is the greatest. He won numerous Premier League titles, won two Champions Leagues, won just a ton of trophies. He came out of retirement and Manchester United won a league title. Now, that being said, when when they asked Paul Scholes to come out of retirement, that did essentially end Paul Pogba's first career at Manchester United going over to Juventus. But Paul Scholes, I think, is the greatest midfielder in Premier League history. But right behind him, though, you can't ignore these people. But Steven Gerrard definitely has to be up there. Trophies count in this situation. Uh, zero Premier League titles. Did get a Champions League. One of the greatest Champions League finals of all time against AC Milan. One of the most unsuspected Champions League finals of all time. And Liverpool won the league. I think Frank Lampard could obviously be thrown up in the A tier. I think uh, Patrick Vieira has to get thrown up in the A tier as well. I think Roy Keane, arguably the greatest captain in Premier League history. Actually, not arguably. He is the greatest captain in Premier League history. He has to go up there as well. And he always gets talked about just being this brutish midfielder that just wants to get in fight. He was a great, great player. Go watch Manchester United versus Juventus and see what Roy Keane did. Now, he would always go, uh, like Sir Alex Ferguson would come out and say, he covered every blade of grass tonight. And Roy Keane would come out and say, that's my job, isn't it? In an Irish accent, though. So imagine him with an Irish accent. Uh, I think also what we got to do on this tier list is got to throw Yaya Toure up in the A tier. Because when he was at his best, goodness gracious, he was amazing. There's no sugarcoating how good Yaya Toure was while playing for Manchester City. In his prime, he was one of the best players in the Premier League. Now, there's also there's a few controversial ones that I think I can add to the A tier, but then then again, don't really want to add. Like Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva. I think David Silva has to go. I think all those guys have to go up in the A tier. Those three at Manchester City legends, they're just, they're just great players, aren't they? They're just, they're just great players. Uh, Matt Letizier, this one's an interesting one because he is one of the greatest midfielders of all time. He's played for Southampton only throughout his career. One club man. And, yeah, one of the most underrated players in English in English history. But do we throw him up in the A tier? Do we throw him in the B tier? Because he can get close there. Let's just look at the B. We'll skip him for right now. But I think the likes of uh, Cesc Fabregas have to go up in the B tier. I think you could throw the likes of Claude Makalele up there. Uh, N'Golo Kante can go up in the B tier. Michael Carrick can go up there in the B tier. Um, Luka Modric could definitely go in the B tier. Paul Pogba. It's been a lot of interesting times for Manchester United for Paul Pogba. Uh, he's very kind of been underrated at Manchester United since he's come over. Like some of the passes he does are insane, but he's been injured a lot. And there's always that rumor that he's going to leave every 15 seconds. So you never know what he's going to do. So that always just little thing right there. That's like, Oh, is he going to leave? Is he going to leave? I don't know. Do we think he's going to leave? Maybe. 
I don't know what's going to happen to Paul Pogba. I hope that Paul Pogba stays because there's, he's just amazing. Watching Paul Pogba play is just, it's amazing. He's just a great player to watch. It's, he's insane to watch. I think, uh, there's a lot of good midfielders here. <laughs> uh, no, there's too many good players. I hate, uh, I hate tier list. I hate tier list, but I do this every Friday for Friday fun day. It's just not, it's not fun because you feel bad ranking these players. I hate ranking players because I just, I just feel bad. I feel bad ranking these players because they're so good. They're all legends. And you can't rank them. Can you? Can you rank them? I don't know. So many good players. Like, listen to what we got left. We got Christian Eriksen, uh, Emmanuel Petit, Joe Cole, Juan Mata, Matt Patissier, uh, Mesut Ozil, Michael Estian, Nicky Butt, Oh, crap. Tom, no, not Tom Hens. Paul Hens, Rude Hullet, and Xabi Alonso. I think Xabi Alonso has to go up in the B tier. Uh, there's so many good players here. I hate ranking these guys. You can't rank these players. You can't. You just can't. Because some of these players, they didn't play that long in the Premier League. Like Petit uh, played for Arsenal for three years and then Chelsea for three years. But in between Barcelona... And then you got the likes of Rude Hullet that played for a short time in the Premier League. Played three years for Chelsea. We're going to throw Christian Eriksen in C tier. We're going to throw Juan Mata in C tier. Uh, Mesut Ozil in C tier. Compared to the other players on this list, you can't you can't rank these guys up there, sadly. Because they're great players. Uh, Joe Cole, I'll throw up in C tier. Now we're getting tough. We're getting a very tough situation right now. Uh, Matt Letissier, I'm going to throw him up in B tier, I think. That might be a little harsh to Matt Letissier, um, but I think that's where he's going to go for right now. One of the best goal-scoring midfielders in Premier League history up there with the likes of Frank Lampard and Stevie G. But I think B tier, because I can't compared to the other people on A tier, I don't know if I could keep him up there. Michael Carrick, I think, is one of the most underrated players in Premier League history. Would have sorted out the whole Frank Lampard and um, Gerard situation that England had when they were forced to, they're like, they were going to play in a 4-2, 4-4-2, and those two are going to play next to each other. We're going to shunt Paul Scholes out in the wing. It didn't work. You have three of the greatest midfielders in Premier League history, and you can't do anything with them because you can't adjust your system for whatever reason. Paul Scholes would have played in the holding midfield spot. Uh, or if you wanted to play a midfield three, but make an attacking midfielder, Frank could play up at the top of the of the triangle and Gerard and Scholes can play at the bottom. Carrick could have played at the holding spot while those two attacked. Like that would have been perfect for England. But no, they screwed around too much and England failed to make a Euros. One of the greatest teams of all time. Really, on paper, the golden generation and they missed a tournament. I don't know how that happened, but it did. It did. Um, oh, jeez. I think we got to throw Nicky Butt on the bottom tier. I'm sorry, Nicky, but you got to go at the bottom tier because compared to the other players on this list, you're, you can't really get thrown on the top, can you? Or in the B tier, C tier, I don't know. 
Now, this next player is a little bit of controversial because I don't, I don't, it, he's an interesting player, to say the least. Let's just say it like it is. Paul Ince, a former Manchester United player, a great player for Manchester United, he had 206 appearances, uh, played seven years for the club, uh, was captain at one point, I believe, or vice captain, went to Inter Milan, and came back to England, and joined Liverpool. Uh, that was not very met, that was not met well by a lot of people. <laughs> it was not a it was not great to a lot of Manchester United supporters, especially people that liked Paul Ince at Manchester United. Not great. But there's so many good players on here. Paul Ince has to go in the B tier. Um, Michael Essien, for his time at Chelsea, Chelsea have a great history of holding midfielders. From Claude Makalele to Michael Essien to now N'Golo Conte. They have a great history of doing that. And Michael Essien was one of the best players in the Jose Mourinho era at Chelsea. Could play all over the place, but was easily the best as a holding midfielder. Came over from Lyon, played for a long time at Chelsea. One of their best players for a while and started to tally off, tally off a little bit because he got hurt a lot. But in his first two or three years the, at Chelsea, he was dominant. But do we have to throw him in the B tier or do we throw him in C tier? There's so many good midfielders here. There's so many good ones here. It's so hard to rank these guys. Uh, Rude Hullet and Emmanuel Petit. Um, where do you rank these two? Because Petit played six years in the Premier League. Really only five because one of his years he only played four games in the Premier League. Rude Hullet for Chelsea, as we said, played three years at Stamford Bridge. And he was the player-manager type player for a little bit. I don't know. There's so many. Those two are legends of the game, Petit and Rude Hullet. Do we throw him in B tier or we throw him in A tier? I don't know. Because if you look at the player, oh, we got to throw him in A tier. Rude Hullet, Emmanuel Petit have to go up in A tier. I, I, maybe we could throw Petit down one to B tier. I don't know. I don't know if I could put Hullet at the bottom. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. He got released by Chelsea. He got sold from Arsenal to Barcelona. I don't know. This is close. I don't know. Do we throw him down in B tier or we keep him up in A tier? I don't know because Petit was not anywhere as good as... Lampard, Gerard, Vieira, but he's up there with one of the best. I put him at the top of B tier. How about that? Because he partnered Vieira for those very good Arsenal teams, but I don't know if I could put him up with the other players that are stuck on A tier. Like, if you look at A tier, Gerard, Lampard, Vieira, Keane, Toure, Silva, De Bruyne, hold it. I don't know if he was as good as those players. He was, he was a legend. I'm not saying he's not a legend. Do I put him up there with those guys? I don't know. So here's my tier list. Goat, Paul Scholes. Then as we said in the A tier, Gerard, Lampard, Vieiras, Keane, uh, Toure, Silva, De Bruyne, Hullet, B tier, Manuel Petit, Cesc Fabregas, Claude Makalele, 
N'Golo Kante, Michael Carrick, Luka Modric, Paul Pogba, Jabi Alonso, Matt Letizia, Paul Ince, C tier, Christian Eriksen, Juan Mata, uh, Mesut Ozil, Joe Cole, Michael Essien, D tier, Nicky Butt. I might adjust that before I post it anywhere, but that's what I have for right now. So if you want to see the tier list, go follow me on Twitter at the underscore LB underscore show. And I'll have the tier list posted on there. So with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And we'll come back. I'll adjust the list a little bit and then eventually post it on Twitter. We got some NFL stuff to talk about. We also got top five dumbest. So stay tuned for all of that and more coming up here on the Logan Blackman Show right after this. Welcome back, everybody. I have edited the list a tiny bit, but eventually it's pretty much the exact same list that I had already but it, it has some tiny changes it has some small tweaks to the list so let's look at the final official list so goat paul skull stayed the same uh a tier i put up 10 midfielders in the a tier just so i had it so i have let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten so there's 10 that go into that from the goat tier to the a tier so it's like the top 10 midfielders of all time i threw up claude makalele in the A tier as well as in Golo Conte. Uh, B tier, um, I moved down Hullet and Emmanuel Petit are both in A tier. Luka Modric leads off the, a, the B tier though. Uh, then Fabregas, Matt Letizia, Paul Pogba, Javi Alonso, Michael Essien, Paul Ince, and Michael Carrick. C tier, Christian Eriksen, Juan Mata, Meza Ozil, and Joe Cole, and then Nicky Butt sits down at the bottom. I, why did they throw Nicky Butt in this list? Why is Nicky Butt here? I love Nicky Butt because he is part of the class of 92. He came with Paul Scholes, David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, the Neville brothers. Like, he's part of that. But in regards to legends, like, him and Phil Neville are just, just kind of there. They're good players. But if you're comparing them to the, all the other great players of that position, then no. Like, Phil Neville does not compare to Gary Neville. That is not That has not happened. So if we're talking about greatest fullbacks in Premier League history. Gary Neville would be listing the A tier. Phil Neville would be, man, he'd be pushing B tier, but he wouldn't be one of the best. You wouldn't mention him as like if you're making a tier list of the best fullbacks of all time, you would not throw Phil Neville up there. You wouldn't. Just being honest. Same with Nicky Butt. Every every Manchester United fan loves Nicky Butt. He's currently the U23s coach. He's one of the top assistants at Manchester United. At least I believe he's the U23 coach. Maybe I got that wrong, but. See what I did there? But <laughs> everybody loves his last name too. But it's like Jake Butt from Michigan. I think he's on the Broncos still. But everybody loves Nicky Butt. But it can, to compare him to the likes of Skulls, Lampard, or even the Erickson, Juan Mata, Mesut Ozil, even Joe Cole, who was injured through the latter parts of his career, you can't. It's not fair to Nicky Butt. I love Nicky Butt, but it's not fair to compare him to those players. But that's my tier list. I officially posted on Twitter. I'm going to start actually posting things on my Instagram now. So you can go and follow the Instagram account because things will actually get posted. I'm going to post trailers for the Logan Blackman show. Um, so you can get a little preview of what the show is about that day. And then I'll start posting the Friday fun days, top five dumbest things and all that stuff. So stay tuned for all of that because we're actually going to start posting on that Instagram account. How crazy is that? So make sure you go and follow that. And also, as we said earlier in the show, go like the Facebook page. We're at 112 likes. Just keep the like train going for the Logan Blackman show. 
I'm just surprised that we got over 100 likes on the Logan Blackman show. Now we're sitting at 112. It's pretty cool. Not going to lie. I think it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, just make sure you go like it. Go follow the Instagram. Go follow the Twitter account. While you're there, go follow my personal Twitter account, at Logan underscore Blackman. So make sure you go and do all of that. Before we get into our NFL stuff, let's go over some more scores around the world of soccer. We'll touch on the KBO a little bit and then touch on some NFL topics. So going on to Serie A, we had some big games going on this weekend. We had Atalanta versus Lazio. Remember, we can't, we said Lazio cannot afford to drop points. Otherwise, Juventus will not let go of that title grasp. And they did. They lost to Atalanta 3-2 on Wednesday. Not what they needed to have happen. Lazio were up 2-1 at halftime with Darun getting a goal, or Darun getting an own goal for Atalanta to give Lazio a 1-0 lead. And then Serge Milinkovic-Savic gets one in the 11th. So it starts off like, oh man, this is going off great for Lazio. This is exactly 11 minutes in, we're already 2-0 up. Man. And then Goosens gets a goal in the 38th. Malinovsky gets a goal in the 66th. Palomino finishes off in the 80th. Malinovsky was the player of the game for Atalanta. 8.6 rated, according to whoscored.com. Darun, who gave up the own goal in the game, got an assist in the game as well, so moved his grade up to a 6.2. Gomez, one of the best midfielders in Serie A, got an 8.3 in the game. Goosen's got a goal in the game, so he had a 7.8. And Palomino, who got the goal in the 80th minute, registered a 7.2 rating. For Lazio, Juro Moble, one of the best goal scorers in Europe, did not do anything in this game. 6.2 was his rating, which was the second worst on Lazio in this game. Second worst of the entire team. You need him to do better. If you want to win games, you're going to need Chiro Immobile to be on his top form. He has 27 goals to his name this season in Serie A. You cannot afford him to have a 6.2 rating in a game. Second worst on Lazio. And that's why they ended up losing the game 3-2. Now they're four points behind Juventus in Serie A. With Juventus playing Lecce today. And Lecce is 18th in the league. So one would suspect that after this game... Lazio would be seven points behind Juventus in the league standings, which is not what Lazio needs at all. Four points behind him right now. They have a better goal differential. Now, again, I don't know what the tiebreaker rules are in Serie A. Maybe it's goal differential, because that's what it is in the Premier League. But in La Liga, it's not goal differential. It's something else, but I don't know what it is. I haven't had the time to look it up. Or at the time, I've had the time to look it up, just haven't looked it up, I guess. But yeah, Lazio did not need that result, and it hurt them in their title race. And Inter now, they're only four points behind Lazio. So Lazio sit four points above Inter and four points behind Juventus. And this weekend, tomorrow, Lazio play Fiorentina, which will, though Fiorentina sit 13th in the league, it's going to be a tough game for Lazio. Fiorentina still have some very talented players on their roster, I don't know, that could be a little sneak attack for Lazio. But you would fully expect Juventus to beat Lecce and go seven points clear of Lazio. So Lazio really need a win against Fiorentina if they want to keep this title race alive. And believe me, everybody wants them to keep this title race alive because it's like the Bundesliga. You'd like to see someone new win the league. Don't care if Juventus wins the league. 
But it'd be really cool to see Lazio win the league. And I like Juventus. Juventus has got some great players on their team. Ronaldo, Paulo Dybala. Then you got the likes of Matthias De Ligt, who's kind of struggled in his first year in, in Serie A, but he'll probably he'll get his feet under him. Bonucci, Cialini, Alexandra, Juan Cadrao's had a great year this year. Pjanic will be going to Barcelona. And Arthur, coming from Barcelona, will be moving to Juventus, which, uh, corner reports, has not made the Barcelona squad the happiest campers in the world. Pretty upset by that. But Pjanic is one of the best midfielders, one of the most underrated midfielders in the world. So he'll be a nice addition to Barca when he eventually joins the Catalan Giants. I like Juventus. But I would, I would really like to see Lazio win the league. I, I like Chiro Mobley. Chiro Mobley is a fun player to watch. He leads the league in scoring right now. He's responsible for 44% of their goals, which is the top in the league. With Cristiano Ronaldo in second with a 42% of Juventus' goals this season. I don't know. It'd be cool to see Lazio lift the Serie A title. Moving over to La Liga. Right now in the standings, Real Madrid are on top of the league standings, as we said, because Barcelona dropped points against Sevilla a few days ago. Now, Real Madrid, with their win over Mallorca, are back on top of the league. Because we talked about Barcelona, we're on top when we did the show on Wednesday, after beating Athletic Bilbao 1-0, and then Real Madrid came back and beat Mallorca, who are currently 18th in the league. So it's kind of like Juventus with against Lecce. They're 18th in the league. Now, they're, if they lose to Lecce, something's very, very wrong. Like Real Madrid. There's no way they're going to lose to Mallorca, and they beat them 2-0 on the day. 68-68 is the points tally in La Liga this year. Real Madrid currently sit on top of the league with 68 points. <laughs> with Atletico Madrid sitting third, Sevilla sitting fourth, and Getafe and Villarreal finished, coming in fifth and sixth with Valencia and Real Sociedad in 8th and 7th. I said it backwards. Real Sociedad sits in 7th. Real Sociedad have been dropping like a freaking rock. They have lost their past four, 3 games. They have lost 4 in their last 6. They are not liking this restart. Cuz they were in a pretty decent spot when the restart came when they before the restart came back. And now they're losing the games to teams like Celta Vigo who have been at the bottom of the league pretty much the entire season, which is disappointing cuz Celta Vigo has some very talented players on their team. Iago Aspas being the main talisman for the team. But yeah, Real Sociedad, since this restart has come back, <laughs> they have not really liked it, to say the least. And we got some games this weekend for La Liga. Barcelona will be playing Celta Vigo. Celta Vigo just beat Real Sociedad, as we said. And Real Madrid will be taking on Barcelona's city neighbors, Espanyol, who currently sit at the foot of La Liga with 24 points in their name. Losers are the last two. Now, they are only two points out of the relegation zone, or at least the 18th. So if they get a win against Real Madrid, which won't happen, but if they do, that'd be huge for them because this weekend, Mallorca will take on Athletic Bilbao, who, though disappointing this year, still, like Fiorentina and Syria, have some very talented players. They'll take on them, and Leganes will be taking on Osasuna. And also sooner this year, sit 11. So there's a real chance, or not, there's not a real chance. I guess I don't know why I said that, but there is a chance, though slim, that Espanol can jump up to 18th with a win against Real Madrid. <laughs> it's not happening, but there is a chance. <laughs> there is a slimmer of a hope for Espanol to avoid relegation to the Segunda Division. Uh, moving on to another league, uh, Bar uh, I almost said Bayern Munich. Well, 
pretty much is just Bayern Munich's league. Bayern Munich, uh, of course, won the Bundesliga the other week, or the other day, I guess. Was it a week? Yeah. And Robert Lewandowski was named the Bundesliga Player of the Season. 33 goals in 33 games this season for Bayern Munich. And according to WhoScored.com, he is the best player in the league, and he was just named the Bundesliga Player of the Season. Followed by Jaden Sancho, Tima Werner, who is Chelsea-bound, and Alfonso Davies and Serge Gnabry. Uh, to this time, uh, unless Jaden Sancho goes off and assists this weekend, Thomas Muller will lead the league or end the season as the assist king with 20 assists. Jaden Sancho has 16 with Nkuku from coming over from PSG to RB Leipzig has 13 assists. Torgon Hazard, brother of Eden Hazard, has 13. And Kostic for Eintracht Frankfurt has 11 on the season. For goal scorers this year in the Bundesliga, Timo Werner sits third with 26. Jaden Sancho sits third and 17th. Vanghorst for Wolfsburg has 16. And Hennings for Fortuna Dusseldorf sits fifth with 15 goals to his name. According to WhoScored.com, since the Bundesliga season ends this weekend, their team of the season reads as this. Uh, Jan Sommer as the goalkeeper. The back four consists of Benjamin Pavard from Bayern Munich. Mats Hummels from Borussia Dortmund. Halstenberg from RB Leipzig and Alfonso Davies from Bayern Munich. The midfield reads as this. Three Bayern Munich players in Serge Gnabry, Josh Kimmich, and Thiago, who might be on the move this summer. Heard him linked to Bayern Munich as contract negotiations stall at the Bavarian club. And then on the left wing is Jaden Sancho with a 7.7 rating. He is the highest player rated so far in this team. Second highest in the team with the strikers being Timo Werner and Robert Lewandowski who's an 8.1 seasonal rating. And this weekend, as we said, we got a it's battle for the top spots done. Bayern Munich have won the league since the return of this Bundesliga. Bayern Munich has not lost a game. They've not dropped any points so far, at least to my recollection. But at the bottom of the league is where we got the real challenges. Now, Paderborn's done. They have 20 points on the season. They are 8 points behind Werder Bremen. They've lost their three of their last they've lost their last 3 games. They've lost 4 of their last 5. They're done. They are done. They've lost 21 games. They've won four games. They've allowed 71 goals. All are the worst numbers in the league with their goal differential of minus 36 also being the worst. Their goal scored at 35, also the worst. (laughs) They just had the worst season ever. But they do have a game this week against Eintracht Frankfurt. So maybe they can move up to 23 points and make that a little less embarrassing. But Eintracht Frankfurt sit ninth in the league. I don't really know if that's going to happen. But the other scores and games that are going on this weekend, in the relegation zone, we have Werder Bremen, who sit 17th in the league. I almost said 19th because a lot of leagues have 20 teams. But 17th with 28 points. They've lost their last two games, and they play FC Köln, who sit 14th in the league. Now, again, there's no chance Werder Bremen saved themselves 100% from relegation. But with a Werder Bremen win and a Fortuna Dusseldorf loss, they can sit at 16th, which means they have a chance to stay up in the Bundesliga because they will play the third place team in the second Bundesliga in a relegation playoff to see who we, who will go down or who will go up. Verduna Dusseldorf this weekend play Union Berlin, who sit 12th in the league. So both these teams have very winnable matchups for them. Both these teams are in the bottom half of the league in Köln and Union Berlin. Both of these games are very winnable for Werder Bremen and Fortuna Dusseldorf. Werder Bremen have blown their chance on saving themselves. They've lost four of their last five games. 
They've lost their last two. This is not a recipe for staying up. Especially when the team above you is not doing anything either as they haven't won a game in their last five games. They've drawn three and lost two. You had a chance to pass them up. But you didn't. You failed. So hopefully, for your sake and Josh Sargent's sake, you guys get the win over Colin this weekend. Also going on in the Bundesliga, again, doesn't matter for title race or anything, but Bayern Munich will be taking on Wolfsburg, who sits 6th in the league. This is for battles for those last Champions League spots and Europa League spots, Europa League playoff stuff and all that stuff. You, This is where the battle gets intense between Wolfsburg 6th and 7th place. Hoffenheim and Wolfsburg both sit on 49 points. Wolfsburg have the better goal differential. Hoffenheim, this weekend, will be playing Borussia Dortmund, who sits 2nd. Neither one of these games for these two teams are very winnable. So if they both lose, which is very likely, Wolfsburg will go on to the Europa League knockout stage. While Hoffenheim will be sitting down doing nothing. But if Hoffenheim can somehow get a win over Dortmund, which again, the away team in the Bundesliga since its return has won, surprisingly, more games than the home teams. If I remember that. If I remember correctly. So we'll have to see. But that's going to be an intense battle. For that sixth place spot in the Bundesliga. Every other spot is pretty much locked up. Uh, Bayern Munich won the league. Borussia Dortmund will finish second. The battle for third though. RB Leipzig sits third with 63. Borussia Mönchengladbach fourth with 62. And Bayer Leverkusen in fifth with 60. Now RB Leipzig lost their last game. Which is not ideal for them. But they still currently sit in third. They have the best goal differential out of those three teams. By a long shot. And RB Leipzig this week will be taking on, if I can find them, Augsburg. Augsburg this season sit 15th in the league. They will stay, uh, they'll most likely stay 15th. So I don't expect them to get a win over RB Leipzig this week. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach will be taking on Hertha Berlin. And uh, Bayer Leverkusen will be taking on Mainz. All very winnable games for all those three teams. I would just expect it to finish like this. RB Leipzig, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Bayer Leverkusen. So that's our standings right now around the world of soccer. We went over all the scores that we've had, and there's some exciting games in the Bundesliga. Bundesliga's last game week is this weekend. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. All games are at the exact same time, like they were going to be battling for a championship or something. I don't know. But yeah, make sure you go tune in to those games, because they will be very exciting. Bundesliga is a very exciting league. Even though... The games are exciting. I'm not saying the league standings are exciting because, as we've said, Bayern Munich, eight consecutive Bundesliga titles. That's not the exciting part. The exciting part is the games that you have against, like, Bayern Munich versus Dortmund versus Leipzig versus Gladbach versus Leverkusen versus Wolfsburg versus Hoffenheim. Even Schalke are fun to watch at times, even though they've sucked since the return of the Bundesliga. They've lost four of their last six games and drawn the other two. So they've, they've kind of struggled since they've returned. But usually they're an exciting team to watch. The Bundesliga is very exciting. I love watching the Bundesliga. But once you get towards the end of the season, then it stops to kind of matter because you already know who's going to win the league. And Bayern Munich at this point in time are the best team in the world. So that is going to, it's going to be interesting when the Champions League returns. Because Bayern Munich are on freaking fire. And... I don't know if they're going to lose anytime soon in the Champions League. I th- 
they're my prediction to go win the Champions League this year. I could see it being them and Liverpool if they, unless they match up at some point throughout the knockout stage. But if they don't, either either way, I think Bayern Munich is going to win it. Who they play, I don't know. But the Champions League will be interesting because not everybody's guaranteed a spot in the Champions League final. Look at Tottenham. They made the Champions League final last year. <laughs> Look where they are right now. Like, nothing's guaranteed in the Champions League. Right now, Tottenham's at 7th in the league. They ain't going to be challenging for no Champions League trophy this year. At least, I, I hope so. I, that's my prediction right now. I don't really know if that's a far-out prediction. But, yeah, that's all we got for the scores around the world of soccer. As we sat at Germany. And now let's look at the KBO. KBO, we're getting down to the latter stage of the league. Not really. But it's fun to say that either way. So we had games going on today. We had the NC Dinos beating the Doosan Bears. 9-2-3. Very disappointing result for the Doosan Bears. Uh, the LG Twins got goose-egged against SK70. Hanwa beat KT 7-4. Kia Tigers beat Kiwum 8-6. And Samsung beat Lote 6-4. How does that affect the standings? Kiwoom, coming out of friggin' nowhere, have taken second place in the league. 28 wins on the season for Kiwoom. Doosan has basically just been hovering around second, third all year. And LG drops to fifth in the league. Now, how did that happen? As we said, they got Goose 8 against SK. They lost to Kiwoom 8-5 the other day, yesterday. And they lost to Kiwoom on Tuesday as well. They've just been dropping like flies, LG. What are you doing? Now the NC Dinos, clearly the best team in the league. They're four points above uh, Kiwoom so far this season. Hanwa is chasing SK. They're only two games behind SK. 12 wins to SK's 14. So the battle for last place in the league is getting intense. <laughs> getting very intense. But LG dropping like a rock. In the KBO. Disappointing for the LG Twins and their fans. Doosan, they've just been around second, third all season. I mean, there's they'll lose games they're supposed to lose and win games they're supposed to win. So that's pretty much how it's been being a Doosan Bears fan this season. But against NC this morning, Doosan was up 3-0 going into the sixth inning. And then NC Dinos get a run back. So it's 2-3 in favor of the, the Doosan Bears. Then... In the top of the eighth inning, the NC Dinos get two runs. So there's four to three. Still possible for a comeback. And then the NC Dinos crap on the Bears in the ninth inning with a nine-run schlacking. Or five-run schlacking to give them nine runs, winning nine to three. Do some Bears completely capitulate in the battle part, latter parts of the game. Chasey's son, one inning pitched in the bottom in the latter parts of the game. Four hits. Three earned runs, one walk, one strikeout. Kim Kang Real came in, pitched one and a third inning, or one third of an inning. Give it one hit, two runs, one walk. It was just over from there. Doosan lose nine to freaking three. Disappointing, to say the least. Very, very disappointing. It's crazy that Kiwoom now sits second in the league. They haven't been up, they've been around that spot, but never actually. I never thought they'd actually pass up the Twins or the Bears. But they have done that. Then we got games tomorrow. KT taking on Hanwa. Kia taking on Kiwoom. Samsung taking on Lote. LG taking on SK and NC Dinos. Taking on the Doosan Bears. Sunday, same teams playing each other again. Both days, games will be taking off 
at 3 o'clock in the morning, so make sure you set your alarms or just stay up for those games. Then we got games on Tuesday, because as a reminder, they never play games on Monday. So, yeah, that's what we got going on right now in the KBO and all the other leagues in the world. Yeah, crazy times. Absolutely crazy, crazy times. Wild and crazy guys. Remember that SNL skit? It's a pretty good representation of that skit. So, with that being said, let's get in some NFL talk. Now, we got some 2021, 2020-2021 season news. Uh, teams will tarp off or will be allowed to tarp off the first six to eight rows in their stadiums to, abli- to abide by social distancing rules. So, they'll be away from the sidelines. You won't be able to cough, sneeze, burp, throw up, whatever on players. Unless you're trying to this time. But I think that's a smart move. Just get players, get the fans back a little bit. It'll be interesting how they do with the social distancing stuff for um, for this. Because, I don't know. How the how the stadiums will be set up. Will they tarp off every other row after these six to eight rows are tarped off? Or what will happen? I, I don't know. I just got an update about that last night. I didn't read too much into it. But that's... New developments in the NFL. They have also canceled the Hall of Fame game, which I don't really care. I mean, that's just a – it's just the the first game of the season, but no one really cares. Like, ah, oh, man, the Hall of Fame game got canceled. What? No one's really like that. But it's just sad because now there's no football for that weekend, and that's really the only positive. It's like, oh, man, I get to watch the Stars for two drives, and then I get to watch a bunch of scrubs play each other. It's cool. I've played at that hall, that stadium. It's a really cool stadium. It's gotten a ton of upgrades since I've been there, though. That was like five years ago. Jeez. Uh, yeah. But it doesn't really affect me. Neither one of my... I didn't have a team in it, so... I don't really care. But it's just sad because now we don't have football for that weekend. Shame. I was going to watch those first two drives and then be done. But at least I had those two drives. But yeah, preseason football is just... Uh, Whatever. Uh, does anybody really care about preseason? Until week four, no one really cares about preseason. But even at some... Because week four, you get two... There's two things that will happen. Either one, the starters will play for a quarter, maybe a half. Or two, no starters will play. <laughs> that's just usually how... Depends on who your head coach is and what team you're cheering for. But that's usually how it goes. There's either two options. Either see your starters for a long period of time... Or you don't see them at all, which very to both of them are very disappointing because you want to see your starters play. You don't watch Scrubs the entire season. You want to see it, your starters play. But I wanted to use that tarping news as a, a way to segue in to the next point. We have received pictures. These were planned pictures because they saw one stadium post a picture and the other stadium's got to post a picture as well. So we have SoFi Stadium, the Chargers and Rams Stadium, or uh, not the Chargers and Rams, it's the Rams Stadium. Looks like a friggin' Ram head. It's the Rams Stadium. And Allegiant Stadium, which is the home of the Raiders. Now, I posted a poll on Twitter yesterday and asked which stadium looks better or which stadium is cooler. And a lot of you voted SoFi Stadium. To me... Allegiant Stadium looks sick. 
Allegiant Stadium looks freaking awesome. It looks like a Raiders stadium. I hate the Raiders. One of my childhood friends, him and his dad, him and his family are big time Raiders fans. But it's gross. People have to like the Raiders. I have a few friends in high school that are Raiders fans. It, you, these Raiders fans, they're not really Raiders. They weren't like growing up around my age just go like, yeah, I want to like the Raiders. Their parents are Raiders fans because that was when the Raiders were actually good. Other than that weird couple years in the early 2000s, the Raiders have not done anything in our entire lives. You had Rich Gannon balling out. Winning an MVP, going to a Super Bowl, getting absolutely pounded by the Buccaneers because he had their old head coach on the opposite sideline and they didn't change any of the plays. So this is like one of the easiest Super Bowls ever won by a team. Yet the uh, the team you're playing, their old head coach is on <laughs> is on your side. The offensive coach with one of the greatest defenses in modern day NFL history with Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Rondé Barber, like. A great defense. And they're like, that must have been the easiest week of practice. Like, did John Gruden and the Bucks even sweat going into that Super Bowl? Did they even fear that Super Bowl? It's like, man, our head coach used to be their head coach. They He knows all their plays. That must have been like, when Al Davis just sat down, it's like, well, hopefully this isn't too bad. <laughs> Because you just know you're gonna, there's no way they went in that Super Bowl thinking they were going to win the game. Your old head coach is on the side. Like you didn't change any plays from the season before, really. But yeah. But this stadium, Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders actually have a home. <laughs> they never really have had a home without their existence. Played in Oco Coliseum or whatever it's called. That's what O.Co Coliseum. One of the, the worst stadium in the NFL. They played in. Uh, Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, the where USC plays. It's like they've never had their own stadium. Really, they've shared a stadium their entire existence, I think. Maybe that's wrong, but the A's have always played with them, and when they were in Los Angeles, the Rams were there. I don't think they've ever had a stadium they can call their own. Allegiant Stadium looks like a Raiders stadium. Like, look at on the inside, it's all black. It looks like the black hole, not some weird tarped off logo at the top of the stadium that just has a giant Raiders logo. So you can't sell at a baseball stadium, but yeah, that stadium looks sweet. I voted for elite. Well, I didn't vote because I posted, so I can't vote in my own poll. At least I don't think so, but, um, I would have voted for Allegiant stadium. Allegiant stadium looks sweet. Now I do hear the complaints that it looks like a toilet bowl from the outside. I like the overhead view. Yeah, I can see that, but it just looks like a Raiders stadium. It looks sweet. SoFi Stadium is not any, I'm not sleeping on SoFi Stadium at all. I think SoFi Stadium looks sweet as well. But if I was choosing my favorite stadium to look at, I am choosing um, Allegiant Stadium. That's just my opinion. I think both the stadiums are sick. One stadium is built for the Rams, the other one's built for the Raiders, and Chargers are just there. <laughs> like, if you look at the top of SoFi Stadium, it looks like a Ram, the Rams' old logo. It's even got a circle in it for the horn. It looks like the Rams. It looks like a Rams stadium, but the Chargers are just gonna play there. I'm excited to see what that stadium looks like when teams are actually playing in it. Same with Allegiant Stadium. Like, like Allegiant Stadium looks sweet to say the least. I love the outside look of it. I just like the look of it in general. It looks 
like a Raiders stadium. It looks and feels. They got Al Davis Eternal Flame, that giant torch in the back of the end zone that's going to be lit up every game. Like, man, yeah, this stadium looks sweet. Both stadiums look sweet. Uh, like, I think SoFi Stadium, and I could be wrong about this, but is the most technologically advanced stadium in the history of stadiums. Is that right? At least not. It, maybe it's just in the NFL right now, but which, which I guess still would be that. But maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's right. Is it the techn- most technologically advanced stadium in the world? That has to be right, doesn't it? It sounds right. But I would like to see the Raiders stay. The Bills play the Raiders this year in Vegas. So I would like to go <laughs> go to that stadium for my dad and I's Bills road trip. Obviously, we go to Buffalo every year. But then we got to go to away game. That's what, that's what we do. We go to one home game, one away game a year. Last year... We went to Dallas. We just went had an NFC East battle. We went to Dallas for Thanksgiving, but before that, we went to Buffalo to watch the Bills versus Eagles. And then um, two years ago, we went to watch the Vikings lose to the Bills, which was awesome in their stadium, the Vikings stadium. And then we watched the Bills beat the Jaguars. So we were two and zero that year. And then we usually then the year before that, we went to the Chiefs Bills and the Patriots Bills in Buffalo. It all started because of Father's Day gift. And now we just go every single year. And it's awesome. I love going to Buffalo. And I need to go to Buffalo this year because our dog, our eight-month-old Cotton de Tuliar, Poppy, destroyed the the snaps of the hat and also chewed on the bill of the hat. So the bill is all crooked. You can see the teeth marks around it. I had it lashed up to my bed. She ripped it off my bed (laughs) and dragged it down to my parents' room and chewed on it. And no one was home, so no one could stop her. And the sad part is, I almost grabbed the hat while I was leaving because me and my friends went to go play mini golf that day. I almost grabbed it because they all had hats on. But I was like, ah, nah, I don't, I don't need to wear a hat. I get back home that night, bite marks all over the hat. And I wore that hat every day. When I was growing my hair out, that was the hat that held my hair back. And it looked sick. It was my favorite hat. I wore it every day when I woke up in the morning. My routine, before I do the Logan Blackman show, I wake up, make some toast, come downstairs, do the show. I have a, I throw on my bat blue sweatshirt on and my Bills hat. And then my I just keep my PJ shorts on. You call it, they're just gym shorts. I got my Georgetown shorts on today. Now I'm just rocking my Cubs hat, which I guess is fitting because baseball is officially back, coming back at the end of July. Right, a month from now, pretty much. month from Wednesday. But it's sad. I can't wear the hat anymore. <laughs> and the only pla- the place I got it from is like an old card dealership, card uh, dealer in Buffalo. And on their website, they only have cards. Because you go into the store, the store's called David Adams. It's got a lot of retro bills and saber stuff. A lot of it. Some new stuff, but a lot of retro stuff. A lot of autograph things. It's like, if you've been to the Rookie, it's like a bigger version of the Rookie. If you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then you have no idea. It's a car dealership in Des Moines. Card dealership. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying car dealership. But they don't sell anything online. So I've got to go out to Buffalo and get this hat back. And it's going to be sad because I've had that hat for like three or four years. Three years. Yeah, three years. Four. No, four. Because we went to Buffalo the first time. I think that's... No, I did not get it then. Because I had a... I got a Bills hat at the stadium that day. 
So, yeah, that's that's how it went. It was two years ago when I got it from the Bills-Jaguars game. But, man, I love that hat. I love that hat. It's my favorite hat. Wore that thing everywhere. Now it's gone. It's done. But, thankfully, I bought a new Cubs hat, uh, like, a week or so ago. Because I needed a new Cubs hat. I have a lot of Cubs hats, but my head gets too big, so I need to buy a new hat, like, every other year. Sad. Sad times. But we're not here to talk about that. We're not here to talk about my hat. I don't even know how we got to the topic of my hat. How did that how did that come about? That's sad. That's that's uh that's very sad. <laughs> I don't know how I got talking about my Bills hat. I started talking about a stadium. Oh, going to the Bills game for Bills Raiders. That's that's how I got started. Get lost in the sauce sometimes. It's not it's not a great thing to do. But yeah, I need a new hat. I missed that hat. But you know what? It's a hat. I'll go buy a new one. Not a new Bills one because that hat fit me perfectly. Looked beautiful on my head as well. This Cubs, not every hat. Every hat looks good on me anyway. So, I mean, it worked out in the end. But, yeah. Sad, sad times for Logan Blackman. We're not here to cry about hats anymore. We are here to talk about some NFL stuff. And right now, for this NFL stuff that we got to talk about, there's a player that is in the NFL, or I guess not in the NFL, that I think we need to talk about. His name's Colin Kaepernick. We've touched on him a couple times on the show. We've talked about him. I rephrased that. Talked about him on the show a few times. Remember when he had his whole workout thing? Was it earlier this year or was it last year? I can't remember, but it feels like it was earlier this year. And then he did the whole, I don't want to work out the NFL set for me to fail. And then no coaches showed up because they're like, why didn't you do that? So that got us thinking like, does he even want to be in the NFL? Does he? I think he's talented enough to be in the NFL, no doubt about it. But does he want to be in the NFL? And if you look at some of the backups in the NFL right now, and even some of the starters, I think he's better than them. Now, do I think he's a starter in the NFL? No. He was not a starter when he left the NFL. He lost his starting job to Blaine Gabbert, and ever since he went to the Super Bowl, it was a downhill slide for him. I don't think he's a starter anymore, especially sitting three years out. I don't I don't think he's a starter by any stretch of the imagination. The people that are saying that he deserves a starting job, no. I think he needs to get a spot on the roster. I think he's good enough, but to start, no, not at all. This is my opinion on it. Sorry if that makes you upset, but he's, a, he's not a starter. He wasn't a starter when he left the league. He's not started three years later because he hasn't played football in three years. But you just think, does he actually want to be in the NFL? I don't know. But out of teams that I think could sign him or should sign him, I have a list of five teams here. Some of them, he could be an easy backup option. Or two, he could challenge the starter. That's my options here. Number one, I think the most obvious one on this list, the LA Chargers. Do I think he's going to sign there? No, not at all. I think the Chargers, are, especially Anthony Lynn, are tired of saying we are fine with our quarterback room. They did this when they were talking about trading for Cam Newton. We're fine with our quarterback room. Talk about signing Cam Newton in free agency. When after the Panthers released him, we're done with our quarterback. We're fine with our quarterback room. Now with Colin Kaepernick a few weeks ago, I'm fine with our quarterback room. He has quarterbacks. The reason Colin Kaepernick would make so much sense for the Chargers, he fits what Anthony Lynn's been trying to do ever since he's got the head coaching job for the Chargers, is get a mobile quarterback. Anthony Lynn 
has Tyrod Taylor, a quarterback he worked with in Buffalo, who he has built a nice relationship with. But Anthony Lynn knows he's not a franchise guy. He is a more mobile Alex Smith, which we have said thousands of times on the show. He's not going to win you any games, but he sure as hell ain't going to lose you any games. He's a good bridge quarterback. He's one of the best backups in the NFL. If I think he is, if he's listed as a back, he is the best backup in the NFL, next to like Nick Foles and stuff. I think Tyrod Taylor is a very talented quarterback, but he is another version of Alex Smith. Which is nothing bad. I love Alex Smith. I really like Tyrod Taylor. I have a Tyrod Taylor jersey. I have a few Tyrod Taylor football cards. I saw an edit on Twitter, Twitter, with a half Chargers, half Bills edit of Tyrod Taylor. It was sweet. Tyrod Taylor has. The Bills fans, unless the media has skewed it around, Bills fans love Tyrod Taylor. Okay? I don't know why the media tried to skew it as either A, Bills fans hate Tyrod Taylor, or B, Bills fans are racist. Bills fans love Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's a great person. Tyrod Taylor is a good quarterback. But he is what he is. He is what he is. And he's not going to win you any games. Oh, Tyrod Taylor got the Bills to the playoffs. No, he didn't. He really didn't. The Bills got blown out like three or four times that season. And the Bills only made the playoffs because some miracle play from Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd. And the Chargers didn't have a kicker at the early start of the season. Young Way Koo has now turned it around. Now one of the best onside kickers. Kick, kick, one of the best onside kick kickers in the NFL. Which they're trying to phase out of the NFL. But he's had a nice little career so far. After coming back from the AAF. Now with the Falcons. I think the Chargers are fine with Tyrod Taylor. I think they're fine with Tyrod Taylor for the time being, and that Justin Herbert will slot right in because he fits exactly what Lynn wants to do again. He's a very mobile quarterback. He's big, strong, has a cannon arm, and is mobile. Exactly what Anthony Lynn really wants in a quarterback. Tyrod Taylor can do that for a year or two, maybe maybe only a year, but if you need him to do a year or two, if you don't feel Justin Herbert's ready, he easily do that for a second year. But I think the Chargers are fine with their quarterback room. I think Anthony Lynn's tired of saying it, but I think as a fit, I think it you it's it's hard to find a better fit for Colin Kaepernick than the LA Chargers. Uh, number two, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Pete Carroll strikes me as a guy that would try to do this. Now I know they said that he they axed out of the deal or backed out of the deal when they first tried to do this. But I think he'd be a nice little fit, be a perfect backup for Russell Wilson. He's easily a better backup than Geno Smith, and that's with him sitting out for three years. He's still better than Geno Smith. I think Colin would be a nice little fit in Seattle if Russell Wilson gets hurt, which won't happen because he's never missed a game in his entire career. But if he does, God forbid, he could come in and be a good little backup option. And I think Russell Wilson has built up enough in his career to where signing a, a guy as polarizing as Colin Kaepernick would not affect him, where the fans would not turn on Russell Wilson. Like, if you look at a lot of teams in the NFL, you get that's why Cam's a free agent. Still. Because Cam is not a backup quarterback. Cam is a starter quarterback. He's won an MVP. He's went to a Super Bowl. He's a starter. Went healthy. He's a starter. But if you sign him, you're signing him at this time to be a backup. And that's going to add... Your, your fans are going to love Cam Newton more than the starter. If the starter makes one mistake, they're going to be screaming for Cam. The same thing with Kaepernick. Where if you sign him and he's the backup and the starter does a couple things wrong, you're screaming for Kaepernick to go in. You saw that with Johnny Manziel in Cleveland. You saw it with Tim Tebow in Denver. You see it all over the place. You saw it a little bit with Nick Foles in Philly with Carson Wentz if he'd mess up a little bit. 
A little bit. That'd be the same thing here. But I think Russell Wilson has built up a career to where that won't affect him. Where it's like, you're screaming for me? I'm the second best quarterback in the NFL. I've won a Super Bowl. What? I don't need to... You guys can't be calling about me. And I don't think Seattle would do that either. I think the Seahawks would be a great place for him to sign as well. Very similar to, uh, to Russell Wilson. But he wouldn't dislodge him to start. Panthers are another one. Panthers don't have a backup quarterback right now. They have um, P.J. Walker from the XFL who's playing for Houston. One of the best. It probably the He was the XFL MVP before the season got canceled. So I think he's the backup. I think they got someone else in there too. Will Greer from West Virginia and Teddy Bridgewater. I think Kaepernick could provide some competition there in Carolina for those guys. Take a starting job? I don't think so, but I think it challenged for them, challenged those spots with those dudes. I think it's very possible that he could do that. Uh, the next one, Las Vegas Raiders. This one's coming out of the fact that he played football at Nevada. And the Raiders don't really know who their starting quarterback is. I know Derek Carr's list is starting quarterback, but will he be next year? I don't know. I know John Gruden really likes Marcus Mariota. I've known that since the draft, since he got drafted. He's been a big, huge, um, what do you want to call it? Huge, but, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. He's been a huge fan of Marcus Mariota since he got drafted. Now he's with the Raiders. He will push Derek Carr more than Derek Carr has been pushed his entire career. Ever since that one random year where the Raiders went 12-4 and four and Carr got hurt, Carr has not been a guy that Raiders fans and Raiders organizations have been like, we're going to staple our fans. Because they signed on that huge contract. And then it's just been average. The Raiders haven't done anything. And Carr's career in Oakland, or now in Vegas, is in question to a certain extent. Next one, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, their backup quarterbacks are terrible. Mason Rudolph sucks. Duck Hodges sucks. Big Ben uh, is coming off an elbow injury, so we don't know how he'll come back from that. A lot of people were linking Jameis Winston to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Very similar skill set to that of Big Ben. But he's now in New Orleans, so that's not going to happen. But I think Colin Kaepernick could be a nice little fit in Pittsburgh. I think he's way better than the two backup options they have. And that's also, like I said with Geno Smith, that's also with sitting out for two years. But with Big Ben being older, that could be one of those situations where, as we said earlier, could be one of those where if he makes a little mistake, the backup gets, fans are screaming for the backup. Because you know what the old adage is? You know everybody's favorite player on the team? The backup quarterback. And Colin Kaepernick would easily be the most popular backup quarterback in the league. Jersey sales from wherever he signs, if he does sign, would go through the roof. And that would instill instant pressure on the starter. Necessary, or worthy or not, pressure-wise, that it's not going to be fun. When you got teams like, yo, he could be an upgrade on Jacksonville. Well, Jacksonville's got a plan, and I think Minshew... If he has a good enough season, could staple his name to that starting job in the pan- the Jaguars, could get a, big, get a pretty big bounty for that number one spot because a lot of people expect the Jaguars to finish last in the league. Maybe this surprised people. I don't know. But those are my five teams I think are the most likely or the teams that I think he could fit in with the most in the NFL. guess I'm not saying that those are the most likely teams. I don't think the Chargers will sign him, but I think he'd fit in perfectly with what the Chargers are doing. Seattle, I think the same thing. I think, other than the Chargers, I think Seattle's the most likely team to sign Colin Kaepernick. They tried, they thought about signing him a few years ago. Didn't, and he's a better option than Geno Smith. So, 
By that, I think out of all the teams in the NFL, I think Seattle is easily the number one team to sign Colin Kaepernick. I think that's easily number one. I think the Chargers would be number one if they weren't if if Anthony Lynn went in this head coaching job without knowing Tyrod Taylor, without working with him in Buffalo. Then I think there might be a chance. But since Anthony Lynn and Tyrod Taylor built up a relationship throughout their careers in the NFL, Lynn being a coach in Buffalo, Tyrod Taylor being the starter in Buffalo, you'd expect that there'd be some sort of loyalty to each other. That's why I think Lynn's like, we're not signing Cam Newton, we're not trading for Cam Newton, we're not signing Colin Kaepernick. They got a quarterback for the future in Justin Herbert, but for the time being, Tyrod Taylor can be that quarterback for a year or two if you need him to. He's not going to do anything special, but he won't lose you any games, which is what the Chargers need because that's what happened last year. Phillip Rivers struggled. He tried to force a lot of balls through 20 interceptions, and that's why they finished with the record they did. Couple that with the injuries they had on defense. But, yeah, I think Colin Kaepernick deserves a place back in the league as a starter. No, but definitely as a backup. Because there's a lot of backups in the league he's better than, like Geno Smith in Seattle being number one. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers backups. I think he could easily be a backup. Starter, I don't like the people that are going out saying he deserves a starting job because he doesn't deserve a starting job because he lost his starting job before the whole kneeling situation even took place. He lost his starting job to Blaine Gabbert. So, I mean, that he was a backup before that even thing took place. They announced the quarterback battle before this all took place. And then now he's out of the league. I think he deserves to be in the league, but not as a starter. Don't get, don't put him as a starter anywhere yet. I think he needs a little bit of time to prove he's a starter. Cause he, he lost, he wasn't a starter when he left. I don't know. That's my opinion on the matter. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know. Now, before we get into top five dumbest, uh, this week, uh, we did the Washington Redskins. I wanted to talk about this real quick before we get into all of that about our top five dumbest thing because that's one of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing, to talk about on the Logan Blackman Show's top five dumbest. I do it every other week, and I just I love doing it. It's just fun. It's just a lot of fun. But this before we get into that, I want to talk about Chris Sims. Every year, he releases a top 40 quarterbacks list. Every year. I think it's been like the past three or four years he's been doing this. And Chris Sims uh, and I have not had the greatest relationship over our careers, to say the least. <laughs> I never even met him, but I've I've not agreed with everything he said. Now, with this list, top 40 quarterbacks, I don't have a lot to disagree with him on this list. Now, I do think it's, I've talked about this on the show numerous times. I think it's unfair to the quarterbacks that played in the league to rank starting quarterbacks below people that have not played a single snap in the NFL. And that's unfair. So, I looked at this list, and I was like, yeah, it's not that bad. But the problems I had with it, Joe Burrow at 26, uh, Justin Herbert at 37, two at 40. I don't think, now, now two at 40 I think is fine, because he hasn't played in the NFL. So, I, I can't rank Joe Burrow above the likes of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Teddy Bridgewater, or Tyrod, or Jameis, or all those guys. Now, do I think he'll he will be better than those guys? Definitely, no no doubt about it. But as of right now, I'm not going to do that because there's been a lot of number one quarterbacks in the NFL 
even number two quarterbacks that have sucked in the NFL. Look at the likes of Tim Couch. Look at the likes of Jamarcus Russell. Look at the likes of Ryan Leaf. I know he went number three, but look at the likes of Akili Smith. Cade McNown went 12, I think, and he sucked. Like, a lot of bad, just because you get drafted high doesn't mean your NFL career is going to be great. So that's why I feel like it's unfair to rank these guys so high because there's a lot of quarterbacks that get drafted first overall. It's the most, uh, it's the most important position on a football team next to like the left tackle and defensive ends quarterbacks you need once you figure out your starting quarterback you figure out the rest of your roster after that and it's beneficial for you as an organization to get a rookie quarterback and have him dominate so you could build your team without him being on a big contract because quarterbacks demand the biggest contracts in the nfl mahomes contract i am scared to see what patrick mahomes contract is going to look like in the coming years I'm very scared. It's going to destroy all other records of NFL contracts. It's going to destroy them. It's scary. But here's Chris Sims' list. Uh, starting at number 40, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, Dwayne Haskins, Mitch Trubisky, Justin Herbert, Taysom Hill, Jarrett Stidham, Tyrod Taylor, Jameis Winston, Case Keenum, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Joe Burrow, Drew Locke, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, and then from 20 on, Jimmy G, Derek Carr, Josh Allen, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Big Ben, Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, Cam Newton. as uh, top 10. Cam Newton's number 10. Uh, the Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. That's his top 40. I don't disagree with a lot of that list. Now, I'd flip around a few players, but nothing that too insane. Like, how the hell can you put... Lamar Jackson, number five. Like, I don't really have a problem with any of this list. Like, other than the placement of the rookies, I don't really care. Like, this list is fine. I Years gone by, he's made a, a couple pretty bad lists. He's not on CBS Sports level, but he has made some bad lists. Like, CBS Sports released a, a list this uh, yesterday, I think. Yesterday, Wednesday. I can't remember. But I saw it yesterday. And... It had Khalil Mack as the ninth best edge rusher in the NFL. Ninth best. I don't care if he had a semi-off year. He's a top three, if not the best pass rusher in the NFL. Look how he completely changed the Bears' defense on signing him. I'd put him up there with Aaron Donald as the two best defensive players in the NFL. I don't care if he had a down year. He's still a dominant player. Number nine? Now, that's not as bad as leaving Eddie Jackson off the top safeties list of all time. That Or not all time, in the league. That's really bad. Well, keeping the likes of McCourty on there and Al Harris, who I think's good, but has played five years in the league and has had one year of actual production. So, I don't think we can list him as the fifth best safety. That's recency bias and all that kind of stuff. Which I, I, we are creatures of recency bias. We are creatures of having bias like, the oh, we just saw that. We love this thing. Oh, that was bad. Like, that's recency bias with Khalil Mack ranking number nine just because he had a semi-down year last year. That's recency bias, but in a negative sense. There's positive recency bias and negative recency bias. Which is just what we do. It's how we make things work. That's how lists work. We just recency bias and all that kind of stuff. So, here is my list comparing to that of Chris Sims. Starting at one, Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes. Cool. No disagreements there. Number two, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Easy. The top two is the easiest part in the league. Now, I had a little mix-up with my number three and his number three. 
I moved Lamar Jackson number three. This is recency bias to the fullest extent. He has one good year in the NFL, and I rank him the third best quarterback in the league. I don't care. He's the first quarterback ever. First, actually, not first quarter, first player ever to throw over 3,000 yards and rush for 1,000 yards. He led the NFL in passing touchdowns, and he was named the second ever unanimous MVP in the NFL. I think he's top five easy. I would just rank him at number three. He had Rodgers at number three. I think Rodgers had too similar of a year to Kirk Cousins to be ranked at number three. I la- I think Aaron Rodgers one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. But not at, at this point in time, I don't think he's the third best quarterback in the NFL. Number four, Deshaun, agree with that 100%. Number five, Carson Wentz. I have said my top five quarterbacks in the NFL for a while is Mahomes, Wilson, Jackson, Watson, Wentz. That's been my top five for at least a year. Feel Well, not a year, because Lamar Jackson would not have been in the top five a year ago. But six months, I would say this has been my top five, unchanged. That's been my top five. So I'm continuing with that. I think Wentz is very underappreciated by a lot of people. I was talking with my friends. We do our QT walks. I think I've talked about him on the show before. But he said, Carson Wentz is a tier two quarterback. How is he on tier two better than he's like, well... I was like, yeah, how is he on tier two? He should definitely be, he's not on tier two, he should be tier one. But then he was talking about him being lower. It's like, what? Carson Wentz being lower? People forget that Carson Wentz was the MVP of the entire NFL the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl before he tore his ACL. People forget that he's the first quarterback in NFL history to pass 4,000 yards without a single receiver having over 500 yards. Discounting his tight end. He has terrible wide receivers. And he's, easily a top five quarterback in the NFL easily I don't see anybody breaking that top five out of the people out of the top 10 I don't think that's happening uh number six on my list I put Aaron Rodgers as we said he put him number three I think that's fair for Rod seven uh I put Dak he had uh Matt Ryan at seven Dak at eight I think Matt Ryan could be a little I I might have discredited Matt Ryan a little too much on my list but I think Matt Ryan's very underappreciated in the realms of Falcons fandom because Matt Ryan can't make stops on defense because he's the quarterback. The offense has not been the problem for the Atlanta Falcons as of late. It has been all placed on the defense. Matt Ryan last year was fifth in the league in passing yards. He threw for 26 touchdowns and 14 interceptions while completing 66% of his passes. Yeah, I think that's cool. I I just put him once. I lowered, I moved up Dak. Dak was second in the league in uh, passing yards. He had one percentage point less than Matt Ryan completion percentage. He threw more touchdowns, less interceptions. And he also provides stuff rushing the ball. I I had to put Dak at number seven on this list. I had to move him down one. Uh, the next quarterback on this list, who I got, I've said is very, uh, is hated very much for really no reason. It's kind of confusing to me, but Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, as, uh, as we've said, is easily, the most hated quarterback in the NFL for reasons unknown, or at least underappreciated. Kirk Cousins is the only QB in the NFL to throw for 25 touchdowns east of the la- each of the last five seasons. Kirk Cousins is very underappreciated by a lot of people. Because I remember we were in line at Sharky's up in Cedar Falls, and I heard these two kids talking behind me, Kirk Cousins is the worst quarterback in the NFL. And that was the time when the Vikings were struggling throwing the ball. First off, in what world is he the worst quarterback in the NFL? Worst quarterback in the NFL? Really? The worst? 
There's a lot of bad quarterbacks in the NFL. He's the worst one? I wouldn't go that far at all. Now, I'm looking at my list and looking at his list. I might move back. I, I lowered Matt Ryan a lot. And I feel kind of bad for Matt Ryan after doing that. But, yeah, then at number nine, he put Matt Stafford. I had – this is based off of – now, last year he kind of struggled. He was struggling with injuries and all that. But Drew Brees. Drew Brees, last year, coming back from an injury, threw – complete 74% of his pass. Now, I know this is a short sample size, so it's a lot easier to have a higher, higher completion percentage because you're playing less games because you're throwing less passes. Uh, but he completes 74% of his passes. Threw for 2,900 yards, 27 touchdowns, only four picks. Again, I am well aware that was only in 11 games. And his fumble in the playoffs against the Vikings really cost them in that game. Because of his injury to his thumb. They hit his arm and his thumb was so weak that he just let go of the ball once they slapped his elbow. I put him up there. Matt Stafford, he had number nine. I had number 10. Matt Stafford was balling out last year until he got hurt. And that saw the complete decline of the Detroit Lions season last year. They sucked after he got hurt. It sucked to see him get hurt because everybody likes Matthew Stafford. I don't think there's a single person that hates Matthew Stafford. That absolutely hates him. Now, I'm just going to go through the top ten here because I want to get into top five dumbest of all time. And we're getting in within an hour. So, we got about like 20 minutes left. And I don't know how long this top five dumbest thing is going to take. So, we're just going to summarize the rest of the list. Just go... Uh, go over some of the list. So I put all the rookies at the bottom. I put Herbert at 42 at 39, Burrow at thir- uh, 38. As the worst quarterback right now, Dwayne Haskins, just because he's in, he doesn't have a big sample size. I put Taysom Hill at 36 because he has less passing yards than the likes of LaDainian Tomlinson. He had him at 36 on this list as well, but there were some other quarterbacks below him. I only Three rookies and Dwayne Haskins are the QBs I think are below him. Uh, Mitch Trubisky... At 35, actually, you know what? Um, I'm going to throw him above Case Keenum. Uh, Case Keenum at 35, Trubisky at 34, uh, Stidham at 33, Jameis at 32, Nick Foles 31, Tyra Taylor 30. Uh, those two, I could flip-flop uh, Nick Foles and Tyra Taylor. I think that's fair to flip-flop either one of those guys. Um, I lowered Daniel Jones down on my list. He had him at 22. I moved him to 25. Again, I can't stress enough how annoying 18 fumbles is. I don't care if he lost, didn't lose all 18. 18 fumbles is still 18 fumbles. I don't care if he lost them or not. That's still unacceptable for a quarterback. I moved Drew Locke up to 24. Moved Sam Darnold at 23. Moved Jared Goff up to 22. I moved Phillip Rivers down to 21 from 17. Um, I flip-flopped Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. I moved Cam Newton down to 17 because he's injured. He hasn't been the same, really, since he won the MVP. But I think Cam Newton's an easily, win healthy, a top half of the league quarterback. But I just put him right outside the top five, top half, at least in the top 32, because he's hurt. He's just hurt. He hasn't played in a while. So I can't, getting good conscious, put him above quarterbacks that are starting. But I think that he's actually worse than, at least at this point in time. Skill-wise, he's not worse than any, really, if we're talking just skill, there's not a quarterback he's worse than. There's not a lot of quarterbacks he's worse than in the NFL. But right now with his injury, I had to lower him down a little bit. I put Ryan Tannehill at 14 on this list to move him down from 11. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the only real changes I made on this list. This list wasn't bad. I really I thought the list was good. I just had some fix-ups I had to make because of the fact that 
I don't think rookies should be ranked above players that have played in the NFL already, even though they haven't played a snap in the NFL. I don't think it's fair to call rookies bust, and I don't think it's fair to call rookies better than starters in the NFL, established starters in the NFL by that mark. I don't know. Once they get playing, then yeah, rank them. But at this point in time, I can't in good conscience rank Joe Burrow that high at 26 when he hasn't played a single snap in the NFL because I have high expectations for Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be great in Cincy, but there's a even there's a chance that he could also be a Tim Couch or Jamarcus Russell. That 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 chance is possible. I don't think it's very likely chance, but I, it is possible. So when you rank him at 26, and then he turns out he sucks, then he's at 40. Like, why didn't you just rank him at the bottom anyways? Because he hasn't played. Your expectation should be low for a rookie quarterback. He shouldn't be through-the-roof expectations. Like, Peyton Manning sucked in his rookie year. His first few years in the NFL, he didn't do anything special. He has the rookie interception record of all time. He threw 28 interceptions his rookie year. Brett Favre was a backup in Atlanta when he got drafted. Like, I don't really have a ton of high expectations for rookies. I keep my expectations a little low just so I don't get massively disappointed when they don't turn out to be anything great. The only time I've ever hyped up a rookie a lot was Robert Griffin III when he got drafted by the Washington Redskins. I had the cleats. I had the socks, the Adidas socks that he had. I even I wanted the Superman socks he had at the Heisman ceremony. I just wanted his socks. But I had the cleats. Those cleats were awesome. They were sick. They were the black ones. Whoo! I like sick. And that little tidbit right there should be a little hint on what this top five dumbest thing is. This week's top five dumbest is about the Washington Redskins. The Washington Redskins are one of the greatest franchises in the NFL. They have three Super Bowl championships. And they're widely, at least in the last 20 years, been, I don't know, disrespected as a franchise, I guess. I don't know if you want to call it disrespected, but... They've, it's not really disrespect. They've just sucked the last 20 years. But as a franchise, they are one of the great. If we're talking about history in the NFL, they're one of the most historic franchises in the NFL. Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Joe Gibbs is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And the Redskins with John Riggins, Joe Theismann, Doug Williams, Daryl Green. We can go on and on about Redskins. The Hogs, the offensive line. They had some great players. In Washington. Now, Doug Williams is not great, but he was a very good player. He won the Redskins a Super Bowl, for crying out loud. But here's our top five dumbest things the Redskins have ever done. Starting off at number five. Trading up to draft Robert Griffin III, while also taking Kirk Cousins in the fifth round. Now, in hindsight, this is actually a very smart move, because... You don't know if this rookie quarterback you're trading up to get in RG3 is going to turn out to be anything special. So you get a quarterback in the fifth round in the in the realm of Kirk Cousins. But I remember when this happened. I was so confused when this happened. It's like you just you just drafted RG3. You traded up to get RG3. And actually, not the fifth round. This makes me the fourth round. Why why did you draft a quarterback that you drafted two quarterbacks? In the same draft. Why? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Robert Griffin III went on to win Rookie of the Year. And Kirk Cousins behind him. Now, this is a scenario of ownership wanted one guy, coaches wanted another guy. And this is one of the rare cases where the coaches 
won out because Kirk Cousins was a starter for Washington and had a lot more success as a starter in Washington than RG3 did, minus his rookie year. Robert Griffin III, in his rookie year, was awesome. I loved Robert Griffin III. I loved him at Baylor. I certainly loved him in the NFL. 15 games started, 65% completion percent, 3,200 yards, 20 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, ran for 815 yards, 7 touchdowns. Like, beautiful. Now, he did fumble 12 times. Not great. But, beautiful first season. Beautiful. Went to the playoffs, and then that's when it all went downhill from there. Got hurt twice, tore his ACL earlier in the game, and then destroyed it later in the game. They should have taken him out of the game. They did not. And ever since that point, RG3 career career has gone downhill. His next year in the league, he pretty much halved his rushing yards and attempts. He got zero rushing touchdowns from seven the year before. He threw 16 touchdowns and 12 interceptions that year. He completed 60% of his passes because he tried. they tried to make him a pocket passer, which is not what he is. You saw what happened in his rookie year. And he dominated. One rookie of the year. Now, this was also a case of trying to keep him healthy, and that didn't work. And then you have the case of the next year just went downhill again. The coaches sabotaged RG3's career, and now he's a backup because he they should have taken him out of the game when he got hurt the first time, and then he tore his ACL again, and then it was done after that. It done out here. But you don't go into a draft trading up to get a guy in RG3 to then proceed to (laughs) draft his competition later. Like, what? Why did that happen? Why was that allowed to happen? What team trades up to get a franchise quarterback and then goes and drafts another quarterback in the fourth round, which is where there's a few starters in the NFL that come from the fourth round. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense to me, really. Now, this is also the year that the Browns selected Brandon Whedon. We made fun of the Browns when we did top five dumbest for the Cleveland Browns. This draft was brought up. Because the the Redskins, in hindsight, would have gotten Andrew Luck. Because in hindsight, the Colts would have drafted Russell Wilson. So they would have gotten Andrew Luck instead. But RG3, with the hype that was building around him, got traded up to get second overall pick. And then the hype around that and then you just throw it all away by going on day three and our first pick on day three we're gonna draft another quarterback (laughs) makes zero sense it's so stupid now neither one of them worked out for the Redskins as you can see neither one of them are still on the roster Kirk Cousins signed a big deal in Minnesota RG3 is a backup in Baltimore they're done they the Redskins, why did that happen? Don't know. I didn't understand it then. I still don't understand it now. Uh, number four. Actually, you could, tra- you could flip number four and five here. Uh, number four, not becoming at least a good team. Like, they should have become a dynasty after this thing. But at least a good or semi-competent team. The Ricky Williams trade. The Ricky Williams trade is one of the most, what do you want to call it? One of the most uh, talked about trades in NFL. It stands right up there with the Herschel Walker trade in regards to how many picks were traded. 
The Saints traded their entire draft to get Ricky Williams. Entire The entire 1999 draft. The New Orleans Saints. And the Redskins did absolutely nothing with these picks. They got Champ Bailey. That was about it. Other than that, they didn't do anything with these picks. Champ Bailey, I think, played four years in Washington, then went to Denver. They had LeVar Arrington, who played, I think, four years in Washington. They did not make the play. They So they made the playoffs that year. They did not make the playoffs again until 2005. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why did you, t- you took the trade, because it's too good of a trade to pass up. You cannot ignore that trade. You're, they're giving us their entire bounty of picks? What? Take that trade. Don't even think twice about it. But you didn't even become a good team after that. A semi-good team. You you, you didn't even become a team. You were just there. You, dra- you got all of these picks. Didn't trade them for anybody. Anybody decent. You traded up to get Champ Bailey. Good job. About it. It's all the trade did for you guys. And Champ Bailey didn't even play the best parts of his career in Washington because of something that happened a little bit later on this list. Number three, uh, the Trent Williams diagnosis. Trent Williams notices a lump growing on his head. Team doctors go, eh, not, don't worry about it. Gets a private diagnosis. Turns out it's cancerous and is life-threatening. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Why? That you have one of the best, if not the best left tackle in the NFL on your roster. You're building the Hogs back up again. You got Brandon Scherf there, one of the best guards in the NFL. One of the most underrated guards, I guess, in the NFL. And you got Trent Williams, one of the best tackles in the NFL. What do you do with one of your best players? This is the microcosm of the Redskins of the 21st century with their players and organization, all that stuff. With the Bruce Allen era and all that stuff. But you tell him it's not life, it's not anything to worry about. He goes to the doctor and they tell him life threat. Like there's a big difference between you don't need to worry about this and you could die. That's a very, <laughs> you don't really go, maybe you should get that checked out. Or yeah, that's, that's nothing to worry, nothing to worry about. To you're going to, you're going to die, dude. You finna die, big fella. Or could die. Like that's, I don't know how that happens. How can you employ people like that? <laughs> They're supposed to be doctors. It's not life-threatening. Yeah, you could die, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Number two, uh, the terrible free agent signings. Most notably, the Albert Hainsworth signings. The Redskins, in the 21st century, have made some of the dumbest free agent signings in NFL history. You have the Albert Hainsworth one to be the most notable one. Seven-year, $100 million contract. Arguably the worst contract, one of the worst free agent signings in NFL history. I think it might be the worst one. Like, and you can look at the other ones the Redskins have had as well. Uh, Bruce Smith lasted four seasons. Deion Sanders, Mark Carter, Mark Carrier, Adam Archuleta, one season. Jeremiah Trotter, Jeff George, Brandon Lloyd before he had that breakout year in Denver two seasons so in total of those what one two three four five six seven free agents there they played a combined 
nine, 13 seasons between seven players that you signed in free agency. The reason Champ Bailey went to Denver, this is also the reason he succeeded, so I guess it's a good thing. You had two of the oldest corners in the NFL in Deion Sanders and Daryl Green. Now, both Hall of Famers, two of the greatest corners of all time. Dion is the greatest corner of all time. Daryl Green's a top three, I would say. But they're way too old. And you just drafted this guy seventh overall, and he can't get past him, which he, he learned a lot from him. As you can tell, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer as well. But why did you sign these guys? You're just trying to make big name free agents to get fans in the stands, and it just didn't work out. Bruce Smith was only in Washington because he was trying to get the sack record. Eventually got it, but that's you don't sign these big name guys for this amount of time for to get them this short period of time. Jeff George inside the 2000s, I don't know why Jeff George was even talked about anymore. Jeff George should have been the thing that stuck in the 90s and stayed in the 90s. He's Jay Cutler, a, a way dumber version of Jay Cutler. Because he had all the talent in the world, much like Jay Cutler, but he's one of the worst people in, in like as a teammate in NFL history. Jay Cutler wasn't a terrible teammate. Jay Cutler just couldn't care less half the time. But those free agent signings were terrible. Albert Hainsworth being the worst. All he needed to do was do a, a – he needed to pass a physical or something. And he couldn't even do that. He lasted two seasons in Washington. And then he lasted – Half a season in New England after he got cut by Washington. Or not cut, he got traded to to New England for a fifth-round pick. A guy you signed for seven years, you're trading for a fifth-round pick. The worst free agent signing of all time. I don't care. Seven years, $100 million. Played two seasons for the franchise. He barely played. I say played. I'm putting that in quotation marks. He played for the Redskins. He was on the Redskins roster. He barely played for the Redskins. And the number one, because I th- I had this at number five, but then I moved it up to number one because everything that's on this list, minus the Ricky Williams one, which I guess could have been just a sign of things to come, happened because of this one thing. And there's way more things I could have put on there other than the Ricky Williams one, but I just think that one's funny because of how many picks they got and how bad they remained after they got all of those picks. Number one is allowing a 35-year-old to buy an NFL franchise. Daniel Snyder, ever since he has bought the Redskins, the team has been, oh, goodness. I saw a tier list on Instagram. It was the top franchise in NFL history. And the Redskins were in an average franchise. Below the teams like the Vikings, like the Chicago Bears. Now, for historically, the Bears should definitely be up there. But the Vikings, they're one of two teams that have lost four Super Bowls and have not won any. Them and the Bills. The Redskins have won three Super Bowls. The Redskins have some of the most historic players in NFL history on their roster. And they are in the average quarterbacks or average uh average list on this thing like three Super Bowls three different quarterbacks won them a Super Bowl 
It's insane. And then you got some of the best quarterbacks of all time and Sonny Jurgensen and Sammy Baugh on their roster. You put them in average. You know why they're in the average category? Is because Daniel Snyder brought bought the franchise. Ever since he bought the franchise in 1999 for $800 million, which, by the way, is was pretty much all borrowed money. He didn't have the funds to buy the team. $800 million. He borrowed $340 million of them from Societe Generale. I don't even know if I said the name right. And a lot more money. They owed $150, million, $155 million in debt on the stadium, which he bought as well. He bought the team and the stadium together. The NFL owners, and I think they did this just to make fun of the Redskins, voted him unanimously in 31 nothing. because remember the Texans weren't a team at the time, so it was 31 teams in the NFL. Dude's 35 years old, a 35-year-old owner. He's in his 50s now. In regards to NFL owners, he is a baby compared to all the other NFL owners, or owners of the NFL. Since Snyder bought the Redskins, the team has a losing record of 142, 193-1. They had a winning record before he bought them. They have gone through eight head coaches in 17 seasons. Then you have the, if Daniel Snyder takes over a draft, everybody goes, oh, they're trading everything for this player. Like a few, like two years ago, when the Redskins were going to draft Dwayne Haskins, they was the reports of Daniel Snyder is controlling the draft. Everybody was like, yes, this, they are going to give up a thousand picks to get up to the top five. Now the top t- the team they were linked with was the Jets, which would have been sad if they gave all the Jets, but the Jets probably wouldn't have figured out how that worked either. It's just that the Daniel Snyder era has ruined the Redskins. I can put this at the top, the number one, and I know that he is the owner of the Red, but they they could have stopped this. This could have been avoided. Why did someone else not come in here? Under Snyder, the Redskins sued season ticket holders who were unable to pay during the 2008-2009 U.S. recession. Snyder did this despite the claim that there are 200,000 people over 200,000 people on season tickets waiting list. Partway through the 2009 season, Snyder banned all signs from FedEx Field, leading to further fan discontentment. Ban was lifted shortly after. Like, it's just... the, the Ever since he bought the Redskins, the Redskins have been thrown down a trash trash shoot by fans of like, because no team has fallen off the face of the earth like this. They've won three Super Bowls. Historically, they're one of the greatest franchises in NFL history. They have one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, Joe Gibbs, who's now one of the greatest NASCAR owners of all time, believe it or not. But the Redskins, they're la- they're a laughing stock. It's sad. It's kind of sad because how great of a franchise they were. And they beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. But, man, from Daniel Snyder to the whole name controversy to everything about the Redskins, this 21st century edition of the Washington Redskins has destroyed all the things they built in the 20th century with the Super Bowls, with the legendary players they had. 
It's all done. It's all gone. They are a below-average franchise to the vast majority of NFL fans out there. And it's not right, but that's just the reality we live in in the Daniel Snyder era of the Washington Redskins. This could have all been avoided if they didn't allow him to buy the team. It's all good. It's like Newcastle United with Mike Ashley. My, since he bought the team, the team has been terrible. He hasn't spent any money. He's alienated fans. He's like, oh, I'm one of the fans. I sit in the stands with the fans, and now everybody hates him. And now Newcastle is poised to get one of the biggest takeovers in football history, and that's football and soccer history. They're going to be the most the richest club in the world if this takeover happens. Which that no one really knows if it actually is going to happen or not, but it looks as if it is. But it's the same thing with Washington Redskins and Dan Snyder. You allow a 35-year-old man to take over this roster, take over this team. And ever since then, everything minus number four on this list, the Ricky Williams thing, has been under his watch. From Trent Williams' diagnosis to all the terrible free agent signings, to the trading up for RG3 while also selecting a quarterback in the fourth round and countless other things that couldn't fit on the list. But that's the reality the Washington Redskins and their fans live in under Daniel Snyder. Daniel Snyder is easily the most laughed at owner in the league. He's my favorite owner in the league because I get to laugh at him countless times. I've laughed at Daniel Snyder numerous times. I love it. But man, the Redskins, ever since he's taken over, have been an absolute joke of a franchise. And with that being said, that's all I've got for you on this Friday edition of Logan Blackman Show. Make sure to go follow all the social media accounts, subscribe to the YouTube channel, do all of that, and I will see you guys on Monday. Peace.